Welcome to Four Down Territory. As Stick and Mike take a look at the four biggest stories in Denver sports. Here's Slareth and Evans kicking it off with First Down. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Happy Valentine's Day. Avalanche. Oh, what a great Valentine's Day gift they got last night as they ended their losing streak. Finally got a road win on this trip, beating Washington 6-3. Best part about it for Jared Bednar, a lot of players contributed. We needed a big night from some of our big players. You know, like offense has been hard to come by for us. And we got guys capitalizing right away, right? Colt gets on the board. Arturi has a big night. Um, and anyway, this is what we needed. We needed to spread it around a little bit. If guys are, weren't feeling it, someone else needed to step up and create some offense. And, you know, we got that tonight. It is the single biggest issue surrounding this hockey team and their bid to win another Stanley Cup is what do they get from their supporting cast? There's no other issue bigger for this team. And so when you have a night like last night, Mark, where Ross Colton gets a goal, Artori Leckett in two goals, two assists, Miles Wood gets a goal, Bo Byram, who'd been struggling and was being uh, recently brought up in trade talks, had a couple of assists. Even, even Ryan Johansson, who has been a bust this year, even he had an assist. So these are the kind of performances that give you some hope that come playoff time, the Avs supporting cast will be able to deliver. Did they put Johansson down on the fourth line? I think they did. They? they got that. He's it's just not. Well, that's why well, I said it's not what you were looking he's for. He's been a bust. Yeah. He was supposed to be your answer at two C, which I never bought that. But uh, plenty of people tried to advance that theory, and well, that's uh, that's worked out exactly the way I thought it would. It's good to see. It's good to see them get uh, production. It's good to see them get production from some of the, you know, some of the other guys not named, uh, not named what's his head. Uh, Who's our uh, McKinnon? That'd be Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, not Nate McKinnon. But there's too too many names. By the way, he I got by so the way, many names in my head. He had two assists. A a, a mini slump for McKinnon. Hadn't had a point in three games. Yeah, uh, broke out of that with a couple of assists, which is great. Um, but it was it was it was good to see. Still concerned a little bit about the goaltending, but uh, I mean that's they they won it with subpar goaltending before. The Darcy Kemper was nobody. I mean that guy was blind in one eye. Remember? I don't know if he was officially blind, but I think I think he was kind of blind in one eye. He had eye calisthenics. Remember, he was doing like open and closing his he eyes. Was and doing yes, because his eye something happened to his eye. What he happened? Got to his poked. Eye? He got poked. He got poked in he got the poked. eye. Right through the uh, right through the mask. With one stick. Second down. Nuggets tonight finish up their pre All Star break part of the schedule as they host Sacramento. Revenge should be on their mind. Uh, not only coming off a couple of uh, blowout road losses, but they got blown out by Sacramento last Friday. And the schedule makers giving the Nuggets the same break that they gave Sacramento last Friday. Sacramento got the Nuggets on the second of back-to-backs. The Nuggets get Sacramento tonight on the second of a back-to-back as uh, the Kings lost last night in Phoenix. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see them go out with a nice win, play with some... Enthusiasm, play tough, get a victory. You don't think that that tonight, especially with it being the last game for both teams before the All Star break, Sacramento having played last night, you don't think it'll be like the uh, final day of school before summer vacation? I hope it is for Sacramento. I think it will be for Sacramento. Yeah, I do too. And I think then, therefore, the Nuggets roll in this game. I would agree with you. I would agree with you. What even is the, if they, even uh, what's if the they, spread? Take even, the over. Even if they do not play 
Jamal Murray or KCP, which I hope they don't. Makes no sense. No, they will. Makes no sense. They will. No sense. Especially especially, especially KCP. Because he's got the hammy is real. He's got the hamstring. Yeah. Soft tissue. We don't want... Tibias is made up. Hey, Greg Dulcich, man. That's all I need to say. Greg Dulcich. Well, I mean, that's... There's nothing more tender than Greg Dolchish's hamstring. Or, or was it? What was tighter? What, yeah, remember tighter. You did that? What was nothing tighter? tighter. What's tighter than yeah. Greg Dolchish's hamstrings? Ham- Mouse nuts. Mouse nuts. That's what we came up with. <laughs> Third down. Ah, oh, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. Talking yesterday, we feel for you, Kyle, and your inability to get over that Super Bowl hump. These two Super Bowls have been tough losing to Kansas City. Um, but to think that if if we win that, that means I can win a big game. No, that means our team won the Super Bowl. Um, that's what that's what I understand. You guys can have any narrative you want, but like the success or the failure, uh, it comes down to one game. And I hope that I can be a part of a team that wins a game at the end of the year. But to say that the Niners can't win a big game would be an extremely inaccurate statement. Making the rounds on social media, and, and this is this was good, and I'm, I'm glad to see. You know who is off to the same or a similar start uh, to his coaching career that uh, Andy Reid went through? Kyle Shanahan. Sure. If you look at Kyle Shanahan's start to his career and coming up short in big games, go back and look at the start of Andy Reid's career. And when he left Philadelphia, what was he dogged by? The idea he couldn't win the big one. Oh, yeah. And look at him now. So, still plenty of time. Yeah, just depends on. Do you want to coach? Do you want to coach when you're, you know, in your sixties? I can tell you, I don't think Kyle wants to coach. Be coaching when he's sixty. Really? Come on, this guy's it's, really? it's a drug for these guys. Freaking drug. He is not wired the exact same way his father is wired. No, no, no. Really? Yes. Okay, that's interesting. I would, I would be shocked. If Kyle Shanahan was coaching into his 60s. Really? Yeah. Okay. He's got other things in life he wants to do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All I right. think so. Okay. One, one, two, three, fourth down. Well, we're not even to spring training and already bad news for the Rockies. Daniel Bard, their closer, uh, uh, had to have surgery on his knee to repair torn meniscus and is expected to miss the entire spring training, which means he'll need the uh, traditional pitcher babium warm-up in extended spring training in Scottsdale after the Rockies break camp and start the season. He'll have to go through the uh, little uh, uh, rehab at uh, Albuquerque or, or AA. So we probably won't see Daniel Barr till when? Probably the beginning of May? If. Yeah. If, yeah. Maybe end. Didn't you? Didn't you say two years ago trade him when oh, his value is never higher, never going to be higher? Why you carry around? Oh, I'll tell you why. A well-paid closer when your team is expected to win maybe sixty games is mind-boggling to me. I'll tell you why. Why? Because he's a good story. Ah, yes. Good point. Love a good story. Rockies love a good story to be able because to give their fans. Daniel Barr. Remember, he was out for eight years. He's a he fan favorite? The, Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he's a yeah, fan yeah, favorite? yeah. He had the yips. Yeah. They couldn't pitch. Walked away from the game. 
then he was, you know, being an assistant, and people were like, "Man, you can still really throw hard." And that's a great story. The Rockies Tells truly, the, the Rockies truly believe that if they have some like good guys, good stories on their team, that it'll make up, and fans will continue to come out and overlook the fact that the team is is, is horse crap. Well, they're right. <laughs> Actually, they are they're, right. They're right. What am they, I saying? Yes. They're right. 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 That's why Dick Monfort's hey, my dad. By, by the way, Dick not Monfort only, is my dad. Yeah. Daniel Bard's a great story. Did you know that Philip Lindsay went to South? I did not know yeah, that. Yeah. Really? That crazy? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Of course, when the Rockies do have a good story, they uh, sometimes get rid of them. <laughs> get it? <laughs> my dad. <laughs> there you go. That'll do it for four down territory. Yeah. Our tour around the uh, Denver sports scene. Got some great, tell me why I'm wrong, some feisty debates coming your way next. The power's out at our house. Ah, coffee table. But since our family has storm-ready Wi-Fi from Xfinity, we can stream or game in the dark. As I try and fill around for a seat. Ah, here we go. Oh, who moved the couch? Get storm-ready Wi-Fi only from Xfinity, so you can stay connected for up to four hours, even when the power goes out. Restrictions apply. Limited to customers within range of 4G LTE cellular signal. Speeds reduced to 30 slash 7 megabits per second. Actual speeds vary. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash storm-ready. It's Schlereth and Evans on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Let's get to work here now. It's a uh, Tell Me Why I'm Wrong Wednesday. The concept is simple. Chance to uh, get some uh, some hot opinions out there, bat them around, debate them a little bit, and see if uh, Mark has no choice but to admit you're right. You know what I've done. Which he hates to do, and so far he has not had to do it today. I I have done one thing, though. What's that? I've pissed off a few Rusties. Oh, really? Yeah. What are you hearing from them? Well, here's one for you. 1088. Mark, you're such a big badass talking all that stuff about Russell Wilson. But you want us to get a first-round bus like Sam Darnold, who's a backup. Unbelievable, bro. Bro. I'm a bro. You're a bro. <laughs> you're just a big badass. I responded. Thank you. <laughs> That's a rusty right there. That is a Rusty. I guess I just got to ask the Rusties. Were you, like, I don't know, under a rock? Were you in a coma during Russ's first year here? Did did you live through that? Do you remember it? Did you just forget it? What, yeah. what makes you such an advocate for Russ? I, st- I, I still don't understand that. Right. Why? I, um... Because the same people, I know, I know this for a fact, many of the same people who are, are have become Rusties were the same people that were blasting Russ during his first year. So I got to ask, what, what the heck happened? What, damn. Yeah. I'm genuinely curious. I guess, I guess you see some of the... Big off schedule plays, and you think that that's a formula for success because they had some success in Seattle running some of those. Now, remember when they were having success, it was Marshawn Lynch led football team run the ball, set up your boot action game, get outside the pocket. You were still running some. Quarterback like read zone stuff, which was new at the time. There wasn't a lot of people that were doing it. They were doing it. And then there was the, hey, man, 
scramble around, play pass, make a play happen down the football field. And you had a legit generational defense. You don't have any of those things here right now. So it was a big, there's a big difference. But yeah, I, I, did you not watch him? Did you not watch? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'll throw that out on the Ramoslaw.com text line. If, if you consider yourself a Rusty, please answer that question. 303-713-1043. Here's uh, Andrew of Arvada. Mark, okay. the Nuggets' lack of depth off the bench will be the reason they will not repeat. Tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I mean, what was their what was their depth last year when they when they won a championship? I mean, was Bruce Brown a big factor at this time last year, or did he become a factor down the stretch in April, May, and June? Like, it's, like in all seriousness. Like, you, you don't think Watson can do that or you don't think Jackson can do that? Christian Brown, you have the same guy. But, like, really, to me, the bench isn't much different than it was last year. And as long as they have the best duo in basketball, as long as they have collectively the most unselfish and best starting five in basketball, when you shorten your bench in the playoffs, why do you think depth is going to hurt them? I don't think the depth is any different than it was last year. And unless somebody else just got, you know, all of a sudden got better than the Nuggets, which I don't see, you know, you could sit there and say, hey, man, the one team that scares you a little bit in the West is probably the Clippers. But what, do they have a, is their bench that much better than... Bruce Brown averaged 11 points during the regular season last year. He averaged 12 during the playoffs. One point more. And I'm not here to right. d- diminish Bruce. We all love Bruce. Bruce! Love Bruce. But Bruce! I think, I think the role of the bench, the importance of the bench in the playoffs is a bit overrated. Especially if you have a starting five like yeah. the Nuggets do. Well, Especially when you consider playoffs, the games are spread out. There are more timeouts, longer timeouts. Uh, your starters can easily play 38 minutes in a game out of the 48. So what you're asking from your bench, honestly, you're not asking a lot. You, you don't really need a lot in the way of scoring. You just need you need energy. You need defense. You need right. some hustle. The occasional, you know, uh, occasion, knock down the occasional outside shot. Um you know, make a nice back cut, get a nice feed from from Jokic and, and go up for a dunk. I mean, you don't need a lot from the bench in order to go out and repeat. I know one thing about this bench. It's going to bring energy, and it's going to bring, you know, movement without the ball, and it's going to bring, you know, some defensive stops. Christian Brown was incredible last year in the playoffs defensively. Dude, that's what you need from your bench. Now, I don't, I don't, I'm not sweating the lack of quote-unquote depth or a big-time scorer off the bench. I just They've got the best, most unselfish starting five in basketball. Yeah. In a perfect world, yeah, sure. Would I love to have another shooter off the bench? Yeah. Absolutely, but, but it's not going to stop you. No. It's not going to be like, wow. No. Well, was that, hey, if they would have just, you know, addressed their bench in, at the trade deadline, this team would have won a championship. That's not. That's not it. I don't, I, don't, I don't believe. Coming up, what's trending? 
Hey, congratulations to uh, Jenny Kavner, who's become a staple of Rocky's broadcast over the years. We'll tell you what her next historic step is. And uh, does, does Carmelo Anthony really believe the things that he says? He can't, can he? That's next. Here's Schlereth and Evans with What's Trending right now. Oof. The losing streak is no more. I mean... I didn't think it was going to last much longer, but it was starting to become real worrisome. Were they going to go O for the road trip? But they do break through. Wasn't easy, but they do get the win last night. The Az beating Washington 6-3. to A little bit uh, not indicative of the way the game was, as this was a uh, hard-fought game up until the end. The Az got a couple of late uh, empty netters, but... They do get the win, and Miko Rantanen said a very important win for the Avs. Yeah, important for sure. You know, losing four, kind of lose your confidence in every every area basically. And big uh, to big to get, you know, power play goal. We haven't haven't scored since the break, so I think that gives confidence. And, and five on five, you know, we obviously gonna feel more confident with wins. You know, it wasn't perfect again, but uh, just to get the two points, it help, helps with the, with the head. I like that admission there because even even the best players in the world go through bouts of self doubt and oh, loss sure. and loss of sure. confidence. It, it, is it safe to say that confidence is the single most important trait there is in sports? Single most important trait. Confidence. Yeah. yeah. Not only in the individual, but for the team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the reasons that in crunch time situations, the Chiefs are so damn good. Been there, done that. We have confidence. Our guy's going to, you know, our guy's going to make it. But even defensively, hey, man, if we can just get a stop, we know Mahomes going to get us a win. Like, there's a, there's a, a confidence level that permeates, and it's not arrogance. It's just that we've done it before. We know what we're capable of. We know we can turn it on. Give us enough reps, and we're going to figure it out. And yeah, the, the confidence is yeah. The, the the neck up stuff is so unbelievably valuable, and that's really what sets you apart. And then when you have a guy that has the neck up stuff, and then has unbelievable supreme gifts and. You know, and athleticism and all the the other things, strength and all that stuff. Boy, I tell you what, what a special player those guys because those those have become the Hall of Famers. So Kyle Shanahan has come under fire for even his own players saying they weren't aware of the overtime rules going into the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and then Kyle catching a lot of heat for taking the ball first in overtime yesterday. He defended his decisions. I didn't cover it in a meeting on the Super Bowl week. I don't think that changes anything. Um, we did it with our analytics department. We decided that going into the playoffs. What, you know, I think you guys know how I've explained how I make decisions with that stuff in the past. I take all the information I can get, um, especially ones I haven't been in. And um, our analytics felt that was the best way to go. But as you guys know, I don't always just go with that. Uh, I take into account what they say, what they think is right, and then I go off my gut in the heat of battle and. I knew what they felt going into it, and when I think about that during the moments I have to make the decision, I think the type of game it was did match what they felt was the best way to do. It did seem more like a field goal game, um, and our defense had been out there for a real long time right before that, so uh, it was no, I didn't feel at all to override that at the time. 
a, sh- a shaky answer for me. That's a shaky answer because he also said yesterday that he had all he, he admitted that he didn't go over it with his team during the week, the overtime rules. Mm-hmm. He said that he had all of his position coaches remind his players or remind their players at their positions what the overtime rules were going in. He said that Brock Purdy went up to Brian Greasy, the, the quarterback's coach, and said, okay, these are the rules, right? Just, just I have it right. Mm-hmm. So they they really weren't yeah. really locked in to what the rules were, which would have been funny had the 49ers scored a touchdown first and then started running around, taking yeah. their helmets off, throwing them around, yeah. doing snow angels on the field. And everyone's like, uh, guys, yeah. the game isn't over. Yeah, right. It's new rules, new rules. Um, yeah, that's one that you you probably look back, hindsight being 2020, you probably should have covered that in a team meeting. Um, that's unfortunate. And, you know, I think, I think obviously you were influenced by the analytics and what they had talked about during the course of the week. But the analytics, their argument was you want to be able to have the third, the, the pos- third possession. I get that. But... Wouldn't the analytics, or maybe the analytics well, wouldn't come up with this, but wouldn't your gut feeling? Because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting on the couch. I'm just a fan, and I'm sitting there with, with my son. We're watching the game. I said, if, if Kansas City has to score a touchdown, they're going to go for two. They're not going to They're not going to continue to try to drag this game deeper and deeper into overtime. They're, they're going to yeah. realize that at some point everyone's going to be exhausted, and you might as well just... Try to end it. Try to end it right there. And there's nobody more creative down there exactly. than Andy Reid with all their corn dogs. So if and, I can figure it out sitting on right. the, the couch knowing that Kansas yeah. City's going to go for two. I think the why, other, why doesn't Kyle and his analytic people yeah, understand I, that? Well, that because analytics doesn't take that stuff into account. They don't. It's just straight math. That's the they problem do with analytics. Via math. <laughs> yeah, by math. That's that, not how you do football. That's not how you do football. You're right, Chris Russo. <laughs> I mean, think about, think about. From this perspective, if you really sat down and thought about it, do I really want to give Patrick Mahomes the ball with a chance to walk us off in every possession? Every every thing is a fort. Regardless of where you're on the field, you're in four down territory the whole time. Is that really what you want to do? You know, I think obviously you look at it now and you got to explain it away, but. You know, I'm sure Kyle looks at it now and goes, wow, what a mistake that was. Manage the game properly. Carmelo Anthony. Dude, what? Why all of a sudden is is how people think of your exit and subsequently what's happened in Denver? Why now is it so important to you? Melo on a uh, podcast saying he never demanded a trade from the Nuggets. 2010, the big three in Miami. Amari goes to New York. He was the first move to go to New York that summer. Big move for New York. They're balling. Amari's hooping. And then All-Star Weekend, the trade happens and Melo goes to New York. Talk to me about it. What are you thinking? Did you want to go there? New York never was the place, though. Like, oh, okay. It was... People... People think that, like, I went in there and was like, get me out of here to Denver. Like, that never was the case. BS! Jabroni! Come on! Stop it! I, we lived it. We went through it. I was sitting right in this chair as this whole thing was going down. Everybody understood that Melo wanted out. 
maybe maybe he wasn't the one necessarily em- emphatic about leaving. Maybe it, it was being driven by his wife, Lala, but it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He, her, they, they want it out. Yeah, if, if your people are pressing, you know, there's plausible deniability. I didn't say it. I didn't verbalize it. But my agent told you I want to be in New York or I want to be out of here. You know. Put it this way. Put it what this way. Do you want? Put it this way. If 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 I'm supposed to take that at, at face value, then that would mean that when somebody the magnitude of Carmelo Anthony in this town for this franchise, what he meant for that franchise, was suddenly traded, it should have been a shocking trade, right? Mm-hmm. Should have caught us all off guard. Should have blown us all away. Guess what? It didn't. Right, because everybody knew it was coming down Everyone the pike. Everyone knew it was coming down the pike. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's out of the limelight now, and now he's all of a sudden maybe more aware or defensive about his um, his image, his reputation. But, man, he is going to great lengths. Yeah, one of our texters to- on the RamosLaw.com text line said, George Carl said that was crap on his Twitter. You know George will go after him. Yeah. George suffers no fools on Twitter. Yeah. Come on, Mello. Come on. Yeah. Hey, listen. Nothing but good thoughts about what you did here. You were you were an important, important, crucial part of Nuggets history. You came along at exactly the time that they needed somebody like you. But l- let's not try to whitewash history. Come yeah. on. Come on. Stop it. Get some help. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, congratulations to Jenny Kavnar, who has become a real uh, fixture in our lives mm. as... Not only Rocky fans, but just her her overall contribution to the the Denver sports scene. And after 12 years uh, with the Rockies, she's moving on. She's becoming the play-by-play voice of the uh, Oakland A's, making Major League history as she'll be the first uh, female primary uh, lead play-by-play voice in in baseball history. Good for Jenny. Good for her. She's awesome. She's paid her due. She's good. She grew up here, too, didn't she? She's a Colorado person. Yeah. Went to CSU. And so she'll eventually be going uh, with the team to to Vegas as well in a few years. All right. Good for Jenny. So good for her. And most importantly, well, I don't know. (laughs) She goes from the Rockies to the A's. (laughs) Woof. Woof. Hey, I'll say this. You know, when when you talk about doing your interview, What's the str- what? Why should we hire you for this job? Right. Well, because I've gotten very good at putting lipstick on a pig for years. It's a good call. You'll I know fit, one thing. You'll though, fit in well here. I, I know one thing though. Attendance in Oakland is not good. No, not good. no. That is, they do not come out there for the ballpark. That no. is for sure. That is what is a trending. Bring that to you uh, each and every morning at seven thirty. Having some fun today. Um, listen, texters, you listeners, your asses kicked. you gotta, yeah, you gotta step your game up because we are O for the show. Mark just swatting aside. You're telling me why I'm wrong. Hot takes. Try better next. You're listening to Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station, one zero four three. The fans. We are what an hour and forty five minutes into this sh- forty five minutes into this show, and on a tell me why I'm wrong Wednesday, we are sitting on goose eggs zero. Yeah, nobody's been able to break through Mark's 
defenses of uh, I told you so island. Nobody's even got nobody's, nobody's really got gotten close. Close, no. And, and there were a couple that I thought were you gotta be careful though, folks, because the idea is you come up with your your opinion, your hot take, full of full of opinions, full of humor, full of snark, and, and you challenge Mark to tell you that you're not wrong. He hates to do that. But you gotta be careful how you word everything, because Mark's very slippery. Mm-hmm. Slippery. He, he, he takes just one word, one phrase, and he turns it and twists it, and he uses it like a loophole to get out. So be careful. Oh, yeah. Oh, Here's yeah. one for you. Okay. Um, Mark, John Elway never banked on having to give the trophy to the Chiefs. He was convinced Kyle and the 49ers would win, and it backfired on him. Tell me why I'm wrong. Mike of Erie. Well, I mean, first and foremost, Mike, he had no idea because you know that this was talked about months in advance. When did they announce the talent that was, when did they announce Usher was going to sing at the Super Bowl? Oh, months, months, months in advance. This was done. Several months. This was done months. This was done before the playoffs started. He had no idea who he would hand that trophy to. Fair. Fair okay. point. He had no idea. Fair and then point. but when it got to this point between the matchup between the Chiefs and the Niners, he was certainly hoping it was going to be the Niners. Like the rest of Broncos country was hoping. We were all hoping. But yeah, he had no when he agreed to do this because it was celebrating the twenty fifth anniversary of Super Bowl thirty three, where the Broncos crushed the Falcons. He had no idea who was going to be in the Super Bowl. No. But he did have two weeks to know. When he first agreed, he didn't know. But he did have two weeks to know once the championship games were over. And at that point, don't you think you would take a moment to think of the ramifications of, hmm, there's a very good chance Kansas City wins this game and I have to hand the trophy to the Kansas City Chiefs and get up there on the podium. I wonder if this might be a bad look for me and Bronco country. Don't you think Mm. you would have that thought? I'd like to think I'd have that thought. You might have that thought. I don't think John thought that thought. Mm. Okay. Well, I I, I just don't. I just think that, hey, I'm honored to, you know, to be a part of the Super Bowl festivities. I'm honored to be honored as, you know, a Super Bowl, you know, 25th anniversary of Super Bowl 33. Like, that's a big deal, man. And it is. And John was the MVP. It was a big, that's a big deal. And think about all the Super Bowl, you know, before those back-to-back Super Bowl championships. Think about all the Super Bowl angst, losing three and getting, I mean, trounced in three of them. Yeah. So he wanted to have his moment? Yeah, sure. He wanted to stay, he wanted to to feel the the bright warmth of that spotlight again. Just feel the love. I don't, I don't, I don't need it that bad. That I'd put myself in that situation to be. But then again, but then again, you're right. He should have thought about it. He didn't. But then again, this is the same guy who thought Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, and Joe Flacco were the answers for the Broncos at quarterback. Too soon. Yeah, too soon. Is that 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 too soon? Still stings a little bit. Raw, right there. Raw. Okay. You know, my my good buddy Daryl Green. Did the same thing when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. He was the one that came out with the trophy. 
20-year Redskin, probably the most iconic player. Bet you got some heat from Washington fans. He's doing just fine. He still lives in Washington, doing just fine. But Daryl Green's not John Elway. I know Daryl Green, great player, but he's not. He doesn't mean to the Red to, to the Washington football fan what John Elway does. Just doesn't. Anyway, who is the most recognizable Redskin of all time? Of all time, Oof. Uh, if you just have to ask me from afar, uh, ooh. I'd probably say, well, honestly, I'd say the Hogs. <laughs> so you're saying I am? Well, yeah, I guess I am. You are correct. How does that make you feel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that give you a warm fuzzy? It did. I didn't think about it <laughs> that right. way. Here's what I'm, I'm just from- saying. I'm just saying, from, iconic, from an iconic standpoint, I mean, Sonny Jurgensen, maybe. I mean, you got to go way back. Yeah, right? John Riggins, right? Riggins, Joe Theismann, probably Rigo. Um, but Daryl's in that conversation. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, from Roofer John, Mark. Whenever Val Nachuskin doesn't play, the Avs get bounced in the first round and have been mediocre this season. This leads me to believe that Val is the Avs' most valuable player. Tell me why I'm wrong. McKinnon, McCarr. Yeah. yeah. Take, hey, come on. Take one of those two out of the lineup and, <laughs> yeah, and tell yeah. me how it looks. Yeah, come on. Hey, Val is Val is a very important piece, a very important cog in the Avalanche machine. Any any by the way, has anybody checked on Val? Have you heard anything like you, how quiet that is is well, you know how it is, Mark. You go into something like a, a a player assistance program rehab. It's everything's everything's locked down. Everything's everything's private. I understand that it's all private, but can we have like a little update? Can Val check in? It's not the way it works. When he gets released, when he walks out of there, that and returns to the abs, that's when he's back. That's when we'll know. Till then, so is he in lock? Do you think he's in lockdown? I have no some, idea. How see, this, that's the no, thing. I, don't I just think would it, like to know something. Uh, yeah, you don't have to give me gory details. Like, is, is he? It, it, is it an in-home treatment? Is it? Is he in in some you know clinic? Some supposed to respect the privacy of the I get it of the person in this case. Yeah, I, I mean the privacy of the person. I understand it, but you you play for a public trust, right? So you think it's our right as fans to know? I don't want to know the gore. what kind of program he's in, where it's being done, not, what the guidelines are. I'm not necessarily. I just feel like I'd like an update on how how's Val doing. You know? Yeah. Like, I don't like again. Like I said, I just I don't, don't think they're to, allowed to talk about it. That I it's guess, just the law. Guess, it's you huh. know, lawyers, guns, and money, man. I mean, it's just you're not right. Not allowed to talk about it. But the Avs do know. That, that's all that, that matters. Right. And the Avs know when or if he's going to be back, and then it'll be up to them to decide, okay, if he is coming back, how much can we rely upon him come playoff time? Right. And that will be, I guess, reflected in the moves that they make or do not make at the at the trade deadline. How When does he have to come back? If he's allowed to come back, when does he have to come back? Well, he's allowed to come back. 
Well, they'll, I mean, they'll, they'll welcome him back. Whenever. No, 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 no. I'm saying if if hey, if the rehab isn't done before, right? You know what I'm saying? That's what I mean by if, if when he's allowed to come back, like if if he's not adhering to whatever it is he's supposed to be adhering to, they're not going to say, oh yeah, he's good to go. Right. You know, he's broken the rules six times, but he's good to go. Like so, I'm saying, at what point do you need him back to get himself into hockey shape to make sure he doesn't get tibias or something, and you know, and and to be ready to play uh, at a high level for playoff hockey. That's a good question. That's a good question. I, I would say, I would say he probably, in order to feel really, really comfortable that he'll be ready to play at the level he was playing at before he went into the program, I, I would say he would need a solid ten to fifteen games before. So the that's ten to fifteen games. That's about three weeks. Solid, weeks. solid month. Solid, solid month. month. Right. Uh, here's one. Jamal Murray will never be first team all NBA as long as he's playing next to Joker. Mark, tell me why I'm wrong. That is that is a great, great statement. It really is. But it comes down to this. If Jamal Murray continues to perform in the playoffs the way he has where he has been big time and he's taken over games and he continues to do that, eventually... The rest of the NBA will be forced, and the media that votes will be forced to recognize his game. And even if he doesn't produce at the same level during the regular season, eventually your reputation, because it's your reputation that gets voted in on a consistent basis. You know, you go back to the, they always said this about Pro Bowl voting. You get recognized, you don't get into the Pro Bowl until the year after you deserve it. And oftentimes, you don't deserve it the next year. You get in based on reputation. If he continues to develop this big shot, big opportunity, big time performance in those situations in the playoffs, eventually he will be recognized even if the regular season doesn't compare to what he does in the postseason. Yeah, Texter's wrong, but I would I would disagree with the reasons you just gave. Because we, we've seen plenty of sidekicks that have done just fine. Mm-hmm. Riding the the so-called coattails of the great, right? Scottie Pippen rode Michael Jordan's coattails. Um, Kevin McHale rode Larry Bird's coattails. Uh, James Worthy rode Magic Johnson's coattails. Mm-hmm. Um, John Stockton rode yeah. Carl Malone's coattails. Or Carl Malone. Or Carl Malone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. So there have been this plenty case, of duos. In this case, so there's nothing that that should not be holding back Murray. What, what holds back Jamal is... Some injuries. Mm-hmm. But I think also what, what hurts Jamal is that Jamal at times just kind of picks his spots when he wants to go off in a regular season game. And he luckily he picks his spots so that when it's a big game, he delivers. Right. And you can always trust that he'll deliver. But the flip side of that is that there are too many games during the course of a, a long 82-game season where I think he kind of coasts at times. Or, or he defers at times. Maybe. But either I, way, I, I, I think that kind of works against him. I would say I would say this, too. You get another championship under the belts of the, of the Nuggets, and the influence that the Nuggets have had, honestly, they have influenced the NBA. And the way I think management looks at their team. And so how are we going to put a team together and how can we do this from a homegrown standpoint where we can be competitive for NBA championships? 
And so I think the I think the Nuggets are. I really do think they're a, a somewhat of a blueprint for a lot of teams in the NBA right now, especially smaller market teams. And so to say that Jamal will never be recognized, I just think is it, it's not factual. He will get his he'll get his due, but it may just take him a little bit longer. And, and I think the bigger thing that you talked about is his with his ACL and his subsequent, you know, sometimes health issues where he's got to sit out for a while. Those things hurt him a little bit, but he'll get there. I don't. I don't buy that. 